Welcome to Childhood Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Welcome back. Carrie and I are so excited to have you join us today. And you might have noticed um, a little bit of a, a different take in our artwork, but the content is all the same. Our purpose is all the same. Um, But it kind of ties into actually today's episode. So uh, today's episode is going to be all about what's in a name. So Carrie, you hear that phrase, what do you immediately think about when we start talking about the name of anything? Um, What are some of the things that immediately come to mind? Well, I mean, one of the things is, you know, branding, uh, copyright, Um, and of course, you know, that old thing that we did when we were pregnant or our spouse was pregnant, um, or when we were waiting to adopt, of thinking about what does the name, you know, Mariah mean? What does the name Christopher mean? What do those names mean? Because we want to give our children a name that reflects our values and our hopes for them. Um, and so I think when we're naming businesses, Um, Sometimes we do it based on, um, it used to be an awful lot about um, where it would show up in the yellow pages um, or in the white pages or um, things like that, that are not nearly so much a thing, but we had a lot of Acme this and ABC that and stuff like that because, because aardvark. Like nobody needs Aardvark Pest Control Service, but <laughs> Aardvark Pest Control Service was one I remember. And the reason I'm sure that they picked it was two A's makes it pretty much at the very beginning of that section of the resource guide, which we used to call the phone book um, back in the day, guys. Um And so that was a thing. You know, it's also kind of funny because Aardvarks eat bugs, but- I think it was primarily the double A. So those are the thoughts that pop into my head. Yeah. So Textus Director, which is the one of the businesses Carrie and I have run in the last 20 years, um, has had different names as well. So we were actually, we started as Learning Links. Um, but this became one of those issues where, um, especially with the internet um, and other businesses around the country growing, um, there was another company with us with with an identical name uh, in another state <laughs> that actually provided services to one of our vendors, and so um, we were uh, forced to legally comply, and so we went to Texas Director, and Texas Director is still our operating name, but um, when you think about lists. Uh, we knew that Texas director was, well, T put us kind of at the bottom of the list for credentialing organizations. And so we went to all Texas director as a business name, but not necessarily our operating name. So again, here's an opportunity where we took advantage of the alphabet. So Facebook and meta is another, you know, is one that everybody knows they still call it Facebook, but their company name has changed to Meta. Um, and Insta and Meta owns Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so as we start to look at things today, we have changed our podcast to Childcare Conversations with Kate and Gary. And the reason we did that is that's exactly what this is. <laughs> and so. Uh, be, although we loved the name Colorful Clipboard, um, it was 
fun from an artwork standpoint, which um, was definitely an experience all on its own um, as we entered um, this business thing. <laughs> well, and it was also clever, not clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we as directors always walked around with clipboards and by the end of the day, they were pretty colorful with all the post-it notes and other things that people had handed us, the artwork the children had given us, et cetera. So for us, this was like evocative of the job, but it wasn't really clear to people who weren't inside our heads <laughs> and hadn't listened to that conversation. If your school is, you know, little angels, mother's day out, it's very clear a faith-based program and it's a mother's day out. It's very clear. It's not clever. It's clear. Um, and so we decided, you know, we'd been here for two years um, and we were looking at was the, was the podcast serving as big an audience as we had hoped? And the answer was no, it wasn't reaching as many people. And so we thought, well, what would, how would we make it clearer instead of clever? And it's just the two of us talking. And sometimes we bring on other friends. <laughs> yep. So we hope that you are going to join. We're going to add um, some additional content. Obviously, we're not just going to talk about our name um, in the next 20 minutes, but we will talk a little bit about naming your program. And maybe it's not even your program. Maybe it's what you call the different rooms or age levels. Uh, maybe it's even or down to what you call your staff. Yep. Uh, you've ever been to a, a massive amusement park, um, whether it has a mouse or some other um, kind of character that perhaps is its um, main character uh, <laughs> or that you know it by, they probably have names for their staff other than staff. And so um, we don't expect you to have cast members and we don't expect you to have um, any sort of real fancy name, but there are organizations that let people pick their title um, for what kind of position they have. So again, there's opportunities that you have uh, within your own organization where naming is key. Yep. So if you're starting a center, if you're starting a child care program, is it a child care? Is it a daycare? Is it a mother's day out? Is it a early learning center, a child development center? Is it uh, an academy? Is it an a academy, <laughs> early learning center? There's about 15 or 20 different appellations, you know, uh, titles for what we do. <laughs> like some people are just like Montessori. They don't say Montessori school, Montessori Academy, any of that. So you have to think through what does it mean? to your clients and to your potential employees if you are a child care center or a early learning center or an academy or you know one of the other ones right or what cool. does it say <laughs> yeah what is it conveying to the general public what is it what does that mean because all of them mean something and if you just picked it cuz you liked it that's an issue my first center was little people child development center because i always say you know these are the short people i work with um i don't use children and kids a whole lot i use short people um because they for me my the way i think um I just want to think of them as people that happen to be slightly younger and less experienced. Um, so I used little people 
because that worked for me and child development center, because I wanted to focus on the child development, not on academics or any of the other things we can focus on. That was my decision for my first center. And then I had another school that was a school, (laughs) right? It had, you know, had a catchy name school, right? Phoenix school. They were very different programs and people came to them expecting different things. So great. So do we want to talk a little bit about what those names and maybe what they generally convey? Do you think that that would be helpful to people or do we just Um, want to talk some more about? I I think let's, let's wait to hear some feedback on whether people want us to go down that rabbit hole. Cause you know, you and I could do that rabbit hole and be here for an hour. And it may be something that nobody finds interesting except the two of us. Sounds great. So if you would like us to kind of talk about what's the difference between a center, a school, a preschool, an academy, you know, all the different endings to the name of your organization. Um, Absolutely. So what I do want to talk a little bit about before we change from the name, I just want to remind people, uh, because Carrie and I have had this before, where we've had people who have a name, they have a logo, and then you walk into their building and they all send a different message. And so if you have a plan for your curriculum or your school already has a curriculum, you might even be an existing school and find out that you kind of fall into this um, unintentional issue. Uh, so if you've got a name like, what was the one you just shared? Little Angels, yep. Gary? Is that where you Little started? Little Angels, with? Mother's Day Out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, If you are at Little Angels Mother's Day Out and for some reason you are not a faith-based program, then know that you're probably sending a mixed message to your community. It may be because you think of every little baby as just being their little angel. And maybe you don't like the fact that some kids get um, some sort of negative connotation attached to being a wild child, right? And you just want to think of all kids as being a little angel. And so maybe you never thought of that name as being a faith-based name. Um, Maybe you went with school just because maybe the previous owner was a school, but yet you have a play-based program and you are not academically driven, which is what some people may think if they're going to call you a school. So just something to think about if you take a look at that all of that don't match as well so we attended uh, we visited a center one time that had a name um with kind of a cutesy logo but it was you know it fit with the name and then you walked in and there was an awful lot of um copyright infringement kind of murals on their walls which i'm sure the kids loved um However, one of the things you have to remember when you do those kinds of things is where are the kids standing in the hallway (laughs) because the halls aren't very deep. And so when everything is three feet tall or higher and they're supposed to be looking at some of what you consider maybe their favorite characters um, in cartoon worlds, um, it it doesn't always look the same. So get down on their level and look up and figure out where they are. Anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. Um, not bet for this evening. So I just want you guys to kind of think about when you are uh, considering any sort of change in marketing, whether it's um, a rebranding, a rename, just maybe it's just your annual marketing plan. Think about building all of that. 
Think about the inside, the outside, the curriculum, the name, the logo, the colors. Are they all sending a consistent message? And uh, Carrie and I can definitely do um, lots of episodes on that. So if you heard something that you'd like us to cover in one of those, again, let us know. You can reach us at Kate at Texas Director or Carrie at Texas Director. Um, you can also still reach us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. All right. So, you know, the let's, funny talk some, let's talk some about the names of your staff, the titles of your staff. Um, so, you know, lead teacher, master teacher, teacher, assistant teacher, aide, floater, curriculum coordinator, um, mentor <laughs> teacher. Like there's lots of names. Um, guide. All of those are words that people use. Um, you need to think about if you want to call everybody just a teacher and have two parallel people in the classroom, then that means they have the same responsibilities. So if you have two people in a classroom and they have the same responsibilities as far as lesson planning or parent communication or room design, then you can give them the same title. But if one of them is supposed to be taking the lead in some of those areas, they're going to expect a slightly different title. And a slightly different pay. Yeah. And so they should have different titles and they sh you should have a pay scale. This is the range of how much somebody is going to get paid as a lead teacher versus a teacher or an assistant versus uh, a teacher. Or maybe everybody's teacher, but this person is the team lead. So their main title is a teacher, but they're a team lead, which is what a lot of school districts do is that everybody is, you know, the teacher, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Smith, Mr. James, all of that. But one of them is the lead in the English department or the lead of the second grade team or whatever. Right. Um, and that, and that, the, that naming component comes into administration. It comes into um, other roles within your organization. Um, we've heard people being called, even the director has often has different names. And so when you hear a term like executive director, um, because I have a background in nonprofit, I generally think of that as somebody who is the head of a nonprofit organization, but I've also seen it used where it is somebody who is a director over maybe multiple centers um, or somebody who has a different type of role within um, Right. And so in another industry, they might be called a regional manager. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, another term that sometimes you hear is head of school. Somebody is the head of school. Principal. Principal. Yep. We do. We do actually have several clients who their directors are the principals and yep. not because they're at a public school or they're part of that kind of a program. It's just what that program has always called their head of school. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, there is no one right answer. So if you you know, we're hoping that Kate and I were going to say, okay, so here's what you call everybody. That's not what we're here to do. Um, what we're here to do is say, you need to think about this. If you have not thought about this, this is one of those, we are calling you, calling on you to be reflective and to think more deeply about things than just, this is the way it's always been done. Just because you've always called the adults in the classroom a guide, is that what you want to call them going forward? And maybe you called them guide because that was what, you know, you're in a Montessori program and that's what um, Dr. Montessori's terminology was translated in into English back in the 1920s. <laughs> um, 
But if that's making it hard for you to hire people or hard for you to communicate with the parents, then I'm going to ask you to reconsider whether you continue to call them a guide. Um, We don't, I'm picking on the Montessori here, but we don't still call it a Casa de Bambini or a house of babies. (laughs) You know, we call it a childcare center or an early learning center, right? So um, sometimes we get a little wedded to a term just because it's what we grew up with in the industry. I grew up with the term lead teacher and assistant teacher and floater. Those are the three that pop to my head every time, but I'm aware that that's not always the right set of terms. That was just what I learned. I'm also trying to give you permission to know that it's okay to make those changes. And it's okay um, to maybe not to have a lot of positions because maybe not every room or every set of teachers are going to work the same. Um, You may have two teachers who have identical types of backgrounds who work really well together in a co-lead situation where you may have another classroom where you really have a clear, this is a lead teacher, this is an assistant teacher, or this is a teacher's aide. Um, And so some of that may come from the experience of your staff. It may come from just the makeup of the classroom um, as you get or or the amount of leadership the teacher wants the 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 staff member wants to take Mm -hmm. sometimes they just they're like no I don't want to be in charge I love being here and playing with the kids but I don't want to be the boss of anything (laughs) I killed my tarantula I'm not doing I'm not going to be in charge of anything (laughs) sounds perfect so okay so we've talked about your center we've talked about your staff we've tried to make it clear to you to understand that you can make those changes Uh, Just because you opened a business with a specific name doesn't mean you can't change it. Just because you hired people with a specific title doesn't mean you can't change it. Now, there are some rules. uh, So go listen to some of our um, HR podcasts about um, job descriptions and names and um, so that you you still cover your butt. (laughs) Okay, so can we go to kids now? Sure. Go to kids. (laughs) So we have been in organizations that have all kinds of names for for baby rooms, for the toddler rooms, for the 18-month room, for the two-year-old room, for the three-year-old room, for the four-to-fives, for the school-agers. So Carrie, give me some of your thoughts on um, the pros and cons of giving them cute little names like the bear cubs or whether or not we want to just always go with a certain age range. What is your thought and why? Well, my first thought is that we don't call it Miss Linda's class because Miss <laughs> Linda may break her leg and be out for two weeks. So it feels really weird to say, go tell Miss Linda's class that they need to come in from the playground if Miss Linda is out with a broken leg. <laughs> um, so I really don't like the call it Miss Whoever or Mr. Whoever's classroom. Um, I'm a fan of at the beginning of whatever your year is. So whether that's January or whether it's the beginning of the school year, um, talking to the staff in that classroom and saying, how do you feel about the name that this classroom currently has? Um, Most people are like, yeah, I'm fine being the butterflies. It's been the butterflies for 10 years. It can continue to be the butterflies. But I like to give the staff the opportunity to change from being the butterflies that maybe for some reason they feel is a gendered term Believe it or not, I've had this conversation. Butterflies have both genders, so it's not gendered. But (laughs) I've had people say, well, it feels like a more feminine name, and this is a very male class. 
So I was thinking something maybe that's not as, you know, maybe we should be the turtles <laughs> or something that is an animal that appeals more to guys because this is a very guy heavy class. And I think that's fine. Um, so I like their, I like it to reflect the staff that are in there. Every toddler class I ever teach is going to be the buddies because that way I can say, come on buddies. Um, that's just what I'm going to call a toddler classroom if I'm the boss of them. Um, but some programs, it's all like the little explorers and the astronauts and the, and so sometimes it's like career titles and some places it's plants and some places it's animals and some are like my centers generally were in a mix of everything because I didn't care. But, um, you know, if your center's name is, uh, little geniuses, then maybe it's Galileo's classroom and, Curie's classroom and stuff like that. So each classroom reflects um, the name of your center. I think that okay. could be really great. So great. So you're talking about the classrooms itself, because, you know, I've also seen just the red room and the blue room and the green room, you know, like people have just done colors or room one, two, three. Um, but what about, um, do we, because at least in my experience, I have run into where people give those cute names and then they have to say it's the, the one and twos. Because in their marketing material, they don't necessarily have it. The two-year-old classroom, they call it the turtle classroom in their marketing material. So how do we help people understand when communicating to parents <coughs> that they have to really kind of think through what's in their marketing material, hmm. what's in their verbiage, <laughs> and how they talk to parents? In other words, yeah, be used because we, we have all these terms. And so... <coughs> We would like to think that school age is pretty clear, but there are some programs that school age is really above kindergarten. Yep. And some programs anyway. So, so yeah, I think in your enrollment paperwork or, and in your parent handbook, it should be probably based on where are the price differences? <laughs> so this room is, you know, maybe it's this room is everybody who uh, is not walking yet. <laughs> so I would call those uh, infants. <laughs> some people call infants everything up to two years old that's fine but in my head infants are the people who don't move who don't walk <laughs> um, and then they're at this rate and then maybe you've got another rate for the mobile toddler the you know the beginning toddlers but who still fall down an awful awful lot um and then some people are like okay the older toddlers and then the, um i hate using age ranges on them that are set in stone because sometimes the enrollment means I've got too many kids that are quote two-year-olds and I need to have some of them in the turtles and some of them are in the butterflies. So I think the pay, where the difference in tuition is, is what I put in handbooks. What, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like well, I think a lot of it, whatever you do, it needs to be something that you educate your families on as well as educating your staff. So it needs to be a real part of your staff orientation. It needs to be a real part of possibly even interviewing your parents because you want to make sure that they are comparing an apple to an apple if they're looking at multiple programs. So if you're a program that, you know, really embraces that flexibility and that it's not a hardcore line, because again, I've been to programs where you don't move up until you're two regardless of how far advanced you are from perhaps the kids who just came into that classroom who are at 18 months. Um, 
you know, and it's, it's, it's entirely based on age. Now there may be some other things, but what they tell everybody is age. Um, same with, you know, the threes and the fours, like, you know, potty trained versus, and so there are components within that, that there needs to be some really good education. And I really stress that, um, so that your staff know how to talk the talk. And that's the staff on the phone. That's the staff that's helping you with any of the marketing. That's all staff. That's not just the staff in that classroom or the staff in some classrooms. All of the staff need to know the language for the entire program. And the educational philosophy or the developmental philosophy that your organization is following, and that's why those are the transitional levels. Yeah, and and so sometimes it's, your tuition goes down when you turn to, or your tuition goes down when you're potty trained. <laughs> like both of those are reasonable. Um, it, it's what works at your center. And I think making sure that that's clear in the handbook, because there are parents who are like, well, my child is two now. And you're like, yeah, but <laughs> your child is not ready to move into the two-year-old classroom. So you still need to pay the tuition in the to- in the toddler classroom. They can't move into the twos yet because you still want them to have a bottle three times a day. Um, So you've got to make those things clear. And that's why how you term those things in your policies and in your orientation is so important. And so if you say that when they're two, the tuition goes down. Well, what if their their child is not doing what needs to be done in order to move into the two-year-old classroom? They need to still be paying the tuition that is going to support the lower ratios in the toddler classroom because they're still in the toddler classroom, um, whatever that toddler classroom is called. And you can, you know, I know programs who, you know, it's literally like infants, young toddlers, older toddlers, preschool one, preschool two, preschool three, kindergarten, um, primary. after school or primary. And by calling it infants, young toddlers, older toddlers, preschool one, two, and three, it can be a little easier to go. These are the developmental milestones in between those different age groups. Um, I did all of my move ups based on development. And so mine was when you're in this developmental level, this is what you pay. Um, And, you know, I didn't do quite as many age breakups as a lot of other people because of the buildings I was working in as much as because of educational philosophy. Um, so a little bit of both there. Well, now I would say that in our current stage of hiring and firing, uh, really hiring, <laughs> finding qualified staff. Uh, so, you know, definitely in October of 2022, um, it's Definitely something to consider, something to think about as far as an organization that has a lot of tiny rooms with a lot of double staff, um, because it's what you've always had. Do you need to look at, you know, putting in half walls, taking down walls, uh, because you have uh, fewer staff. And so you have to kind of reconsider uh, the age groups that you have and what your age groups are. Um, Always, you need to stay within minimum standards. So I'm not trying to get you to go outside of minimum standards, but I am telling you to look and to think and go, okay, so, you know, at at the staffing, we can go up to X number of kids if we had the square footage. Um, And so it may be those things that you have to consider. So, all right. So Carrie, what are some other names, areas where we have naming issues uh, that we do find in um, early child care? 
I mean, I suppose genders, <laughs> if you want to, um, but um, so I think how you name, how you title your teachers for the children, do they call you Miss or Mr. First name or Miss or Mr. Last name, or do they not have the Miss or Mr.? Um, are you just, you know, that's Bonnie. <laughs> um, I think most of us use Miss or Mr. in some format. Um, but you know, I don't have, any, you know, there's no real educational reason why it can't be. This is Bonnie. Uh, Bonnie will be your child's teacher. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is there a reason that they have to be Miss or Mr.? Well, you know, I think that comes back to, again, I think that depends on maybe where you are in the country. I think that depends on the culture of your program. Uh, it definitely depends on the the age of the staff, I'm sure. So that's where that whole naming convention may have to be a partial staff conversation. Because do you really want Miss Donna, who's been there for you know, 15 more Donna? You know, is she going to be okay? But are things to definitely think about as you continue to grow, expand. Um, and there are, and I am definitely one of those people who had a really hard time when people would call me Mrs. and then whatever last name, because I just never mentally put myself as that person. That person was usually, you know, my mother-in-law, <laughs> that person. Uh, so I think there are probably times where you're going to have staff, especially young staff who, um, maybe has never had anybody call them with, um, any sort of miss or misses in front, and they may be really uncomfortable. And so again, it's helping orient your staff to whatever the naming convention is for how the staff, how the kids refer to not only the teachers, but other staff, um, in the building. So do some, you know, would there be a reason why uh, the kids might call some staff Ms. or Miss Donna and others might be Mr. or Mrs. Smith? And so these are things that you definitely need to consider. Um, and because you are setting the precedent for what happens as they go on through, you know, elementary, middle, high school. Um, you know, so we, it's something that we need to definitely consider. And it puts us back in that whole professionalism conversation. Um, and you want them to treat your staff like professionals. Yep. So what are some other, is there anything else you think we need to, we need to discuss before we wrap up for the day? I feel like we've, we're missing one thing, but I don't know what it is. Well, I can't come up with anything specifically. I just want you guys to really think about what are the names and the words that you're using and the messages that you're sending. So even things like newsletters, Facebook page, social media pages, if you're doing something fun or different, make sure that you, that it's portrayed like it, that it's all sending the same message. All right, Carrie, obviously you have something that popped into your yeah, head. Yeah, something popped into my head. It's not really on brand, but it popped into my head as you were talking, which is body parts. What are we calling different body parts and having that be consistent across all of your staff? Well, not even body parts, what they're doing. Is everything got a number or is it what yeah. you're doing? Are we going number one or number two? Are we peeing or are we pooping? Um, is that a butt? Is that a bottom? Is it a tush? Is it, you know, your tuchus? What is it? What, what is the thing you sit on? Do we sit on our bottom? Okay. I always hated that because I'm like, no, the soles of my feet are the bottom. Uh, <laughs> um, so be clear also about body parts and be consistent throughout your program. It's important for the children's safety, for them to be able to identify um, what their penis is, what their vulva is like, 
what nipples are. Like, it's not what we were planning on talking about, but it popped into my head. Please keep kids safe and teach them the right names. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, when you, when those conversations come up, especially in toilet learning, you know, definitely make sure that they also understand it's their body and nobody has the right to touch their body. And, um, you know, be aware and listen to what kids say. Um, if they start using other terms, feel free to ask them to define those terms themselves. Um, that vocabulary, though, is also something probably worth bringing up in parent orientations or parent meetings, at least in parent meetings for your two-year-olds and up, because those kids are going to be using those words at home. And um, you would like there to be some consistency there. You don't really yeah. want the parents to put numbers on things. You're actually using, you know, a better correct term. I won't say the most correct term because yeah. we'd probably because we're not telling baby, we're not telling toddlers that they're defecating. <laughs> they're not urinating. So, <laughs> so but again, it's what's in a name. Is it a clinical thing or is it a comfortable thing or is it something you have to talk about in code? It's one or two. I don't, you know, whichever one it is at your program, again, be consistent across your program, just like you are about what you call the person who creates the curriculum is always called whatever term you gave that person. <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed um, our, the most recent version of uh, child care conversations with Kate and Carrie. And there's a reason why it's not child care business conversations with Kate and Carrie, because we do feel like our podcast is open to um people who work in childcare or thinking about working in childcare of all levels. And yes, we do have episodes that have a tendency to lean more entrepreneurial or even more administrative, but hopefully you're going to listen to those because you know that someday you want a career change and maybe you want a ladder in early childcare and get a race. Yeah. Or you want to know how they're making the decisions that they're making. If you want to stay in instruction for the, your whole career. That's great. We need people who love being instructors for a long time, but it's helpful to know why your administrators are making the decisions they make. So, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to childcare conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, leave us a comment below and share the show.